0: Fries. It's been years since I've done the hokey pokey. I guess I forgot what it's all about. I do the Norwegian battleships at Why? To Scandinavia. <laughs> Did you know the French fries were not originally cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. So my kid asked me, "Hey, Dad, I would like you to teach me how to drive." I said, well, son, maybe we should start with a car first. (laughs) A lot of cows wear bells, because the horns don't work. There you go. (laughs) Why should dads
1: wear their shades when they tell jokes? Why? (laughs) To protect them from their son's glare. Or daughter's glare. (laughs) Hey,
0: what did the triangle say to the circle? What? Your millionaires. What? <laughs> April showers bring May flowers.
1: What do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. <laughs> how do you catch a unique rabbit? <sighs> how? Unique up on it. Oh, that was good. How do you catch a tame rabbit? Uh, how? Tame way.
0: <laughs> you got two coins that total 55 cents. And one of them's not a nickel. What are they? What? Okay, time's up. <laughs> one
1: of them's 50 cent and the other one's a nickel. Huh? You know, I don't get along with car keys, because they're always something.
0: What do you call a pile of cats? What? I'm <laughs> In the spirit of the video, what's the best time to go to the dentist? Tooth Two thirty. Tooth hurty. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all the dads. How about let's show some love? Not only the dads, but how about to every stepdad, foster parent, grandpa, uncle. Come on, somebody. Amen. All the father figures in our life. Amen. Now, before I jump into my message today, I also want to say, Happy Juneteenth. Yeah. So some, of you, some of you may not know what that is, so I feel like I ought to remind you. June 19, 1865, 2,000 Union soldiers rolled into Texas and informed 250,000 of our enslaved American citizens that they were, in fact, free. And Juneteenth marks the official end of slavery in America. And how many of you know that 4th of July, Independence Day, doesn't really mean anything because if some of us aren't free, then all of us aren't free, right? Amen. So, happy Juneteenth. It is a significant day in our country, and I'm glad that part of our history is behind us. Amen. Amen. Now, let me talk about Father's Day, but also today I am kicking off a uh, three-week series on family. You don't want to miss any of these three weeks. We're going to have a good, good time. But today, I want to preach on this subject, building blocks of fatherhood, building blocks of fatherhood. Now, my message today is focused on fathers, but I want to throw a little bit bigger net out there today to talk about uh, the role that good parents, moms or dads, have in making a strong family. Because how many of you know there's a lot of single moms out there that are doing the job of mom and dad, and we need to give them a big hand as well. Amen. Now, Father's Day, you know, it doesn't always quite, if we're being honest, it doesn't quite get the props that Mother's Day does, right? You know, one little boy said it this way. He said, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, only you don't have to spend as much money on the gifts. (laughs) In the first service, I got a ring notification on my phone. I thought I had it uh, in airplane mode, and it all of a sudden dawned on me, a Father's Day gift probably just arrived. On my porch, Amen. But uh, but like Mother's Day though, Father's Day does present us with an important opportunity. I think to look at what being a dad is all about, and also to like take a look at what masculinity really is. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, despite what the culture tells you, masculinity is not a bad word. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Now I'm not talking about toxic masculinity. Amen. Not the Rambo type of man, you know, who just walks in with that swagger. He cusses like a sailor. He kills everything, you know, that he doesn't like. I'm also not talking about the Archie Bunker type who sits in his chair like a king on the throne. Poor Edith. How many of you remember Archie Bunker? Can I get you a sandwich, Archie? <laughs> you know.
1: Those were the days. <laughs> right. yeah.
0: All the young crowd's like, who's Archie Bunker? (laughs) Some of the 30-year-olds, they got their phone out. Who is Archie Bunker? Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Archie Bunker, he had a son-in-law. He called him Meathead. I mean, it was was a show for the 70s, that's for sure. Uh, I'm talking about a man, though, the kind of man who knows he's a man and he's proud that he's a man. Amen. But at the same time, he has a soft and a tender heart that's sensitive to others and to the will of God. Robin and I were now we're dating. I think we were engaged. Uh, it was before we got married, though. She bought me a book. And she was already invested in her husband before I put a ring on it. Amen. But she bought me a book called Man of Steel and Velvet. Just out of curiosity, I went on Amazon to see if you could buy it. I think you can buy a used copy for like $96. Uh, somebody needs to reprint it. But it was a great book because it talked about how we need to be men of steel But there also needs to be a part of us as men that are men of velvet. Amen. What am I talking about? We need to be men of steel, men with strong minds, kind hearts, willing hands, men who find joy in their labor. Amen. We need to redefine manhood today because a lot of people don't know what manhood is. Amen. Men of courage, men of honor, men with clear minds and high goals, men who are not afraid of responsibility. Men who are dedicated to a task and will surrender sometimes their own desires in pursuit of the life of serving others, particularly their family. But along with this element of steel, there must also be a gentleness, a man of velvet. We need men who can appreciate the beauties of nature, men who love their families with passion and honor, men who adore the woman in their life. And when I was typing my notes originally, it said women. And then I said, I better fix that. Just in case somebody gets the wrong idea. Amen. Man, woman, singular. Amen. We need men with compassion, though. Men who are sensitive to the needs of the less fortunate. Men who are tender with their wives and their children and their grandchildren. Men who have developed an ability to love. I'm talking about God's man. Amen. Amen. And in the case of uh, men who are parents, fatherhood, the way it ought to be. Because it's not easy today to get a good portrait of fatherhood. Because society has confused roles so significantly that we've forgotten what it's really like to be a man. Not an Archie Bunker type, not a Rambo type, but a man who can love God and be firm. The Bible, though, is the best source. To show us what a godly man should be like. Now today I want to look at one passage in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 8 through 12. It's not a typical passage that you would find relating to fatherhood. But the Apostle Paul in this passage is greeting the Thessalonian church. And in many ways, Paul was a spiritual father to them. He was not a biological father, but he was their spiritual father. So let's read these texts and then I'm going to show you five things I want us to look at from these verses today. 1 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12. says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day, we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to you and any, to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God that that we were to and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as fathers treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Now, in these few verses, there's some building blocks of what a father is. Again, Paul, again, he was not their biological father, but he was their spiritual father. And there's a lot that we can learn. And I think every mom, dad, or parental figure can learn from. So let's quickly, let me give you five building blocks of fatherhood from these verses. The first one is found in verse 8. A father expresses genuine love. A father expresses genuine love. Look at verse 8. We loved you so much that we shared with you. Not only God's good news, but our own lives too. See, the first trait of a father would be to the ability to express genuine love. What did Paul say? He said, we loved you so much. Now, the ability in the uh, uh, original languages, that word expressed is implying an intense love that gives over and over and over again. Paul said, it's even hard to find words to express how much we really love you. Amen. And I think that's an important character trait for fathers. Because hear me, loving your wife and loving your children is one thing, but expressing love is something in addition to that. Now notice, again, the passage says, we loved you so much that we shared. Sharing or expressions of love. Can we be honest? It doesn't come naturally to a lot of men. doesn't mean they're bad men, but it's not always the natural inclination of men. Not every man is wired to be expressive or demonstrative or, or loving in that manner. Not every man had an example maybe of a dad who knew how to express love to his family. Amen. Uh, and I'm convinced that that's the reason why the Bible tells husbands to love their wives. You know why? Because many men have to learn how to express love. Now, have you also noticed in the Bible that it almost never tells women that they have to love their husbands? It comes naturally to women. But you know what the Bible does remind women to do? To honor and respect their husbands. You know why? Because sometimes that might be a bigger challenge for women. And if I can just be frank, because some men are hard to give honor to. Amen? Now, none of those men are in this room, right? You guys are above and beyond, right? Thank the Lord for that, and and I mean that. Wives are told to respect their husbands because sometimes that's harder to do, especially for a man who does not express love. Last semester, uh, I'm just throwing this in for free, our married couple uh, life group, we did a book study on the book Love and Respect. Now, by the way, you can find that book on Amazon. Amazon. Amen. And I want to encourage every married couple or engaged couple to read that book, Love and Respect. And let me just warn the ladies in advance. The first few chapters, you're going to think this book is just to benefit men. Hang in there. Then he brings it all around by the end. Amen. So don't give up on chapter 3 or 4. Chapter 5, he starts nailing the men. Love and Respect. Get that book. Now, men, most of us have to learn how to express love. We do. That is true not only about your relationship with your wife, if you're married, but also for the father and child relationship because it doesn't always come easy for men. Now, I don't know if you can remember, some of you men that are dads, do you remember when you brought your first child home? Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things that I've forgotten, but that one is one of the memories that is burned forever in my mind. Now, we were so excited. You know, we had our baby, Robin. Robin. Uh, And we were at the hospital. I remember very clearly packing up the stuff at the hospital and then getting ready to leave. But I also remember very clearly the moment that I got Lauren, and she's here, and I feel so blessed today. I got both of my daughters, both of my son-in-laws, both of my grandkids, and the one that's on the way. I got them all here today. And my wife, of course. I'm a blessed dad. But I remember very clearly the moment I got Lauren out of the car for the very first time. Now, I'm not a fearful person. I'm not a man of high anxiety, but I will never forget when I shut the door to the Buick. I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and for about five minutes, this wave of fear swept over me. I was holding that car seat, and all of a sudden, it felt like it weighed a 1,000 pounds. I looked around. Where's the doctors? Where's the nurses? I looked, and there was Robin and her mom walking up the steps into the house, And I was carrying a 1,000-pound baby. (laughs) And I remember I got hit with fear. Who are we going to? There's nobody here to take the baby. What's going to happen if something goes wrong? What if I can't provide? What if I can't pay for this house? What if I lose my job? And all these what-ifs came flooding in. And for about five minutes, I was about ready to load her back in the car and take her back. Amen. Amen. I'm really glad I didn't. Lauren was born almost two weeks late, which, by the way, back then, they didn't induce so quickly. They didn't do C-sections so fast. I can't believe they let Robin go two weeks late. And her mom, it flew in like the day before she was due. So we're finally going home, and now Robin's mom has got to go home the day after we get home. I told the first service, I still haven't forgiven Nancy for that. Amen. (laughs) And, And so here we are. We're just home. We're brand new. I'm scared to death. Robin's mom is gone. There's no doctors and nurses around. It's a scary moment. And Robin, who is just 22 years old, she just turned 22, I think. 23? 23. She just smiled. Seemed like she knew what to do. There she was. No family around to help. Me, a nervous wreck. She knew she had to hold the baby's head up. Because her neck muscles weren't strong enough. She knew there was a soft spot on top that you had to watch. She knew when she was hungry and when her diaper needed to be changed. She knew when it was bath time and when it was time to put her to bed. She just seemed to know all those things. It just came naturally to her. But as a man, I had a lot to learn. Right? When we first held our babies, at least for many of us, how many of you admit it was an awkward, sometimes scary experience? Can I get a show of hands? Are there anybody else out there? Thank you. I don't feel so bad now. I didn't always know when Lauren was hungry. I didn't always know when the diaper needed to be changed. One time, Robin went away for a couple of days to a ladies' conference, and when she came home, Lauren's diaper was full. And I told her, I said, don't be mad at me. The the diaper box said that they're good for up to 12 to 15 pounds. (laughs) That's a joke, by the way. (laughs) What's the problem, (laughs) You know, all those skills had to be learned, right? They had to be learned. But pretty soon we men get to the place where we're not just good at them, but we enjoy them, right? We enjoy helping our children. We enjoy expressing love. We enjoy playing with them, watching them laugh, comforting them when they're in distress. And then what happens? They grow up. And they ruin everything. Because we got to start all over again. Right? All the stuff we thought we knew. And if you got girls, you really know things change. Once in a cartoon strip, for better or for worse, it showed the dad. He came into the room where his teenage daughter was. She was sitting there watching TV, eating popcorn. So he decides to sit down next to her and help himself to some popcorn. And as he was sitting there, you know how the cartoons are. They got these little thought balloons that pop up over their heads. And while he was sitting there in his head... He's thinking, I remember when she was so young. I held her in my arms and it was so wonderful. Now look at her. She's all grown up. She's such a beautiful girl. I wonder what she would think if I held her like I used to and told her that I loved her. And then another thought bubble pops up and he said, well, she wouldn't like that so I'm not going to do that. And then they showed the little girl sitting there and her thought bubble popped up and she was thinking, I wonder why dad never hugs me anymore. And you know, there's this Crossing of the circuits. And sometimes we want to get it right, but we don't always get it right. Dads, I just want to tell you, I don't care what age your children are. Don't be afraid to show appropriate physical touch and affection to your children. Boys or girls, amen. I'm talking about all the days of their life. I am 56 years old, and if I go see my mom, I'm going to get a kiss when I come in. I'm going to get a kiss when I sit down. I'm going to get 12 kisses and five hugs on the way out the door. <laughs> Amen. I will never doubt how much my mother loved me. Amen. Now, my dad loved me, and God rest his soul. I miss him today on Father's Day. But my dad was not a dad who expressed love. He didn't, I, he, he didn't say it a lot. He certainly didn't show it a lot. My mom might have made up for that in that area. But dads, don't be afraid to express love to your children. Amen. You know, uh, one of our best ex- examples of fatherhood, of course, is our father in heaven. And most of you know the story of the prodigal son. I'm not going to take the time to read it today. But if you don't know the story, it's so universally uh, applicable because all of us come to a place where we think we know better than, more than our parents, Right? So if you don't know the story of the prodigal son, it goes like this. He goes to his dad. He requests his inheritance early. He asks him to give him his inheritance. So he takes his inheritance. He goes out. The Bible says he spent it on riotous living. He's out there partying it up. He spends all the money, loses all his friends, ends up in a pig pen. And then I love this part of the story. The Bible says he came to himself. In other words, the light bulbs pop up. He goes, and he said this. He said, my parents, I mean, the the servants in my dad's house have it better than me. I'm going to go back home to my father. Now, here's what stands out to me about that story. He knew he could go back to his father. After blowing all the money, after doing all the stupid stuff, after insulting his dad and his brothers and, and really just failing as a son, he knew he could go back. Because his father was going to love him and accept him back. And you know what I think is so great about the story? You read the story. Before he could even uh, blurb out his apology, the Bible says the dad ran to him and hugged him and kissed him and said, bring the ring, bring the robe. We're going to have a party. My son has come back home. He expressed his love. In a way that his son would not doubt his love. Dads, you say, well, that's not how I'm wired. Well, try to change your wiring. Come on. Your kids need to learn appropriate physical touch. Amen. Because they need to learn it from you so they don't learn it from the wrong person. Amen. They also need to be able to know what non-appropriate touch and love is. And the best way is to model it the right way. Amen. Amen. So that's number one, express genuine love. Number two, comes from verse 8 also. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but what? Our own lives too. Right. I didn't just preach the gospel to you. I lived the life in front of you. So here's the next point. we got to live a transparent life. Notice there is a connection between between genuinely sharing the gospel and genuinely sharing your life. See, it's one thing to hear the gospel from somebody, but it's another thing to see it lived out. What Paul is saying is when we lived among you, we not only told you the good news, we modeled it for you by how we lived. Folks, it seems to me, dads, I want to talk to you. If you are a Christian dad, your kids ought to know it, not by your words, but how you live. Yeah. Amen. By the way you live. For example, being a Christian will affect the decisions that you make every day. The values in your home should be different from those that are found in non-Christian homes. Amen. A worldly home prioritizes things in a different way that Christians do. Different values. We have different values regarding money and entertainment and our social values. We, we know that the things that we can't see are the things that are most important. Amen. What about Stress. Would you deal with stress differently if you were a Christian dad than if you were not? I hope so. Amen. I think you would because the Bible says there's a peace that we have, a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. What about finances, how you budget and spend your money? Wouldn't that be affected by the gospel? Amen. How it's changed your life, made you a different person. What about humor and joy and laughter in the home? All the things that we find that's been influenced by the gospel of Jesus so important to live a transparent life. Robert uh, Fulgham is the author. He's an author who wrote a famous book entitled All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Amen. Some of you might have read that book. But he wrote another book where he talks about grown children coming home again. And he says that it's normal when grown kids come back home for them to reminisce about the things that they got by with when they were younger. (laughs) That mom and Dad never found out about. So he's writing about this in in the book and he recalls that when his children began reminiscing, one time his older son said this, he said, Dad, when I was 14, you and Mom were gone for a while and I went out in the garage and I got in the car and I started it up and I backed it out and I drove around the block several times and then I put it back in the garage and you never knew it. In the book, he said, everybody laughed, and then he went on, and his son said this. He said, another time when you and Mom went to the grocery store, we kids went out in the backyard and smoked the cigar. You came home early, and we thought for sure you had caught us, but you never knew, and we got away with it. And once again, everybody starts laughing. There's all kinds of bonding time going on. They're having a great time. Then Fulgram told his kids this. He said, well, you didn't know some of the things that your mom and I got away with. They were like, oh, really? Like what? He said, well, for example, every time Grandma sent you money for Christmas, we took a cut off the top of it. (laughs) He said, you never knew that a lot of times when we told you we weren't serving leftovers, that we really were serving leftovers. We just disguised them as something else. He said, you never knew that that time when you called me from camp and you were crying and you were homesick, And I told you that I missed you too. I lied. (laughs) I lied. I wasn't missing you. I'm glad you were gone. He said you never knew. I know who sent you all those anonymous Valentine cards. It was us. I know who got into my wallet and took money and never said so. And then there were times that you lied to me and I let you lie because it was too hard for either one of us to hear the truth. Then there were times when I told you that I loved you, when I didn't really feel like I loved anybody, not even myself, but I told you anyway. Transparency. Honesty. And that's hard to deal with. And some dads struggle with it. But dads, let me just tell you, you need to live a transparent life. And I want to help you, because if you can't do that, you need to deal with whatever it is that you're hiding or whatever it is that's causing you hurt, amen, and pain, and learn to be transparent. Because really another word for transparency is just honesty. Yeah. It's being real. And I think kids to see, need to see that in their fathers. Not just an authority figure. Not just RHE Bunker bark, barking out orders to ask for sandwiches. Amen. I'll never forget the time Lindsay got her first job at Subway. You know what I loved about that job at Subway? The first time I walked in and I got to tell her to make me a sandwich. Ah. I'm gonna pay double for this thing. You're gonna put it, you're gonna make that sandwich right there for your daddy, amen. But the ability to be transparent, to be honest, it means a lot. The ability to say you're sorry when you make a mistake, the ability to be transparent about sometimes your feelings. But I do wanna qualify though the statement on transparency before I move on. I think some parents forget that they're the parents. And part of your job is to create an environment of security and safety. In other words, you can't just spill every old thing you feel and every old thing that's going on in your life, right? Because too much information and transparency can have a negative effect, especially on small children. They need to feel secure and safe, amen? There's a lot of times when I was afraid, but I never let it be known that I was afraid, or at least I thought so. Lauren just told us yesterday she found a a journal or a diary in her stuff. And it was a line, and she had wrote some of her prayers down. And one of the prayers, she said, I'm praying for Daddy that he doesn't feel so stressed about our building. And then I said, when did you write that? And she said, it was 2006. I said, that was the last three months of this building that we were putting up. I said, I thought I was hiding my stress, but apparently I wasn't. (laughs) You know what that tells me, Dad? Just do the best you can. Do the best you can, amen, and live a transparent life. Here's another lesson from Paul. Is this good stuff today? Are you ready? An unselfish work ethic. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 9. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. an unselfish work ethic. I think we have a responsibility as parents to teach a good worth that work, good work ethic to our children. And oftentimes hear me if kids don't see a father or mother who is a hard worker and has a good work ethic, they're never going to learn it. Amen. We teach it two ways. First of all, you teach it by example, By doing it and letting our children see you do it. But then secondly, children learn by doing. You got to give them the opportunity to do things. And give them the chance to make their own mistakes and learn from some of their own mistakes. We need to teach our children that they have to work for what they get. Come on, can I get a gratuitous amen in the house? Nothing comes free and easy in life. Now, I recognize that every generation thinks they had it harder Than the younger generation. And you know what I'm coming to find out? I think it's true. It's true. My dad's generation had it harder than me. My kids don't have it as hard as I did. And what's happening is thank God for technology. Thank God for for blessings. But you know what it does? If we're not careful it makes us softer. Right? The mindset that things are owed to us without necessarily having to work for them. By the way, that really kind of showed up in strength back in the 1960s. But it's gotten progressively worse. We've raised and we're dealing with an entitled generation. Amen. I've learned something really quickly but powerful about work. Are you ready? This is revolutionary. The harder people work, the luckier they get. (laughs) Isn't it funny? The harder you work, the luckier you get. Oh, they're so lucky. They're so blessed. They're so fortunate. They get all the breaks. That might be true, or it might just be they work harder than you do. Maybe they're a little bit more intentional, amen? Maybe they're a little bit more strategic. Maybe they're just trying a little bit harder. Come on, somebody. Work ethic. Working for what you get is important because a free ride causes people and children to become insecure. They lose confidence in themselves, and they take on an entitlement mentality. There's something very rewarding about working for what you get. Dads, we got to model that. Amen. It's still in style. And by the way, dads, you don't get a medal for providing for your family. That's right. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. You know what the Bible says? A man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. So seriously, God bless you. Thank you for every hardworking man that takes his job seriously. But understanding our identity as Christian dads, it's important to know that it's our job to do that. And by the way, let me flip the coin a minute. It's also nice, children, teenagers, young adults, wives, it's also really nice to get a pat on the back and an attaboy oh, yeah. occasionally oh, yeah. for yeah. working hard to provide for your yeah. family. Yeah. 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 All right, got a lot quieter. Go ahead, man. It's okay to clap. I got to help the brothers out a little bit here. Yeah, for real. <laughs> man, every man wants to feel appreciated. Can I just tell you what you already know? We've all got big egos. We are insecure. We need those strokes. We need that affirmation. I live only about a mile from where I grew up. Uh, I've lived in Hanover County almost my entire life. Now, where I grew up, it's changed a lot. We used to live in an old rented farmhouse, and I lived at the end of a, a, a bumpy dirt road. Now, when I say bumpy, I'm talking about you had to go down. You had to slow down to like three. We would go down... In those holes and come back. It was one of those where it's like when you go down to the bottom, you really couldn't even see where you were going. You had to come back up. I mean, we had holes like that. But I learned about an unselfish work ethic in that old house from my dad. I did. I remember my dad teaching us the value of hard work by his unselfish diligence. I've talked about this before, so I won't belabor you. But, I mean, as a young boy, we had lots of chores to do. Dad modeled it to us. Uh, you know, he gave us age-appropriate tasks. Don't miss that. Age-appropriate task to do ourselves. We had animals to feed. We had a couple of ap- acres of grass to cut. Folks, I didn't have no Dixie chopper. There wasn't no zero turn, amen. I had an old push mower that barely would start. I would about pull my arms out of socket trying to get that thing to run, amen. <laughs> grass to cut. And now when I when I turned 16... There was no shiny new car in my driveway waiting for me on my birthday. If you're able to do that, that's great. But I'm just going to tell you, I was just thrilled that my dad paid for my license fee at the DMV. Amen. For my first car, you know what I did? I had to pick tomatoes and plant boxwoods all summer long. And then my dad took me to the car lot and I bought a 76 Plymouth Arrow. The grill was busted out. The hood had a dent. It was painted safety orange. It had a, a, no joke, from the car lot, it had a coat hanger tying the hood down so it wouldn't fly up when you drive. I used to wonder how it passed inspection until I saw my dad pull in a particular joke. gas station and gave the man $30, and out popped an inspection sticker. My dad didn't really serve Jesus back then, I don't think. (laughs) Hallelujah. I hope the statute of limitations expired on that. Amen. Might have to strike down one from the store. Amen. But you know what I learned real quick? Work comes before reward. Dads, hear me. You're going to either raise lazy kids who become entitled adults or kids who grow up to become productive citizens in society. It is a choice. And you do it by modeling unselfish diligence in your work ethic before your kids. Let me just say this before I move on. And, again, I'm just sharing from my own life. Both of my girls knew that I was only obligated to get them through high school. You know how they knew? I told them all the time. (laughs) I did. I told them. No one is owed a college education by your parents or the government. Amen. 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 Come on, somebody. Any help that I provided my children, they knew it was a blessing, not an obligation. And I did help them, but I was always reminding them, God bless you. Daddy, don't have to do this. It's a blessing. Amen. Why am I saying this? Because, folks, we don't want to be entitled. And we don't want our kids to be entitled. We need to recognize that we got to work for whatever we get in this life. Model of good work Here's another building block of fatherhood. i got to hurry. I'm running out of time. Genuine spirituality. First Thessalonians 2 and 10. You yourselves are our witnesses and so is God. Notice, he says that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And that's a lot to live up to, right? Look at that same verse from the NIV. You are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were. Among you who believe. Man, Paul is putting it out there. He said, not only did you see it, but God saw it. Yep. He said, we were holy, righteous, and blameless. Genuine spirituality. Mm. Now, folks, I want to tell you. Dads, this doesn't mean spiritual perfection. It means spiritual effort. But I want to remind you, and some of you don't want to hear this, but and you don't want this to be part of your job description, but it is. God has commissioned you as a dad to be the spiritual leader of your home. He has. Whether you realize it or not. Now, a lot of moms have had to take up our slack. But it's not too late to step up to the plate and say, I'm going to lead my family. And as a Christian, it's your responsibility to lead them in the ways of God. As spiritual leaders, it's our responsibility to show that we are genuine. That Christianity is not just something I do on Sundays. But it's something I do all week long. Amen. You can't just come to church and look pious on Sunday and then live like the devil all week. Because guess what? Your kids know. Amen. You can't just come to Sunday and raise your hands and sing. But never crack open a Bible all week or pray. Your kids know. It's absolutely essential that we be genuine and that our children see that we not only worship here, but we worship at home. Come Come on. You don't have to be a spiritual giant. Just do your best and do your best starting now. Maybe you fumbled the ball in this area. Guess what? That's why you're here today, for me to encourage you. It's not too late to pick up the ball and move forward. What does genuine spirituality look like at home? Genuine spirituality look like at home? It means I guard my tongue. I choose my words carefully, especially when I'm with my children. It means I'm careful and I'm guarded about what I say about my friends. My spiritual leaders, my, my life group members, my, my fellow church members, the people that I work with. I want them to see the genuineness of my faith. Right. Amen. Amen. And finally, the last building block I want to share from this text. It comes from 1 Thessalonians 2 and 11 and 12. You've got to be a positive influence. That's good. That's right. Be a positive influence. Notice what Paul said. And you know that we treated each of you, how? As a father deals with his own children. We pleaded with you, we encouraged you, and we urged you to live your life in a way that God would consider worthy. Dad, are you, if you're looking for a job description sentence, there it is. There is your job description. To encourage, urge, and plead your children to live in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. I want the praise team to come on up. Dan Benson, in his book, The Total Man, he wrote this. I don't know if it's true or not, but it was thought-provoking for me. He said that for every positive words that most dads say to their children, they say ten negative ones. We're really good guys at words like don't or you can't or stop that or no. But sometimes we're not as good with the positive words. Mr. Benson suggested that we could change the whole personality of our relationship with our kids and we would just learn to be positive and influence things in a positive way. Dads, don't limit your children in anything that they feel they can do or want to become. You ought to be their biggest cheerleader. Come on. Amen. Why on earth would a father throw a, a water on his child's dreams? We need to be their, their ultimate cheerleader. We need to affirm them. We need to strive to help them go further than we did. Amen. Reinforce their abilities. Reinforce their faith. Reinforce their hope. Never make them feel like they can't shoot for their dreams. Be a positive influence. What are some practical ways to be a positive influence? Well, first of all, surround your kids by positive people. Can I just say that's why church is so important. Amen. Surround them by positive people. Parents, in a day when church has fallen out of vogue, We're in a post-COVID world where church attendance is at an all-time low. Can I remind you, church is still significant, and you need to try to be in church every single week if you're not working or out of town. You know why? Your kids need this influence. They need this music. They need this worship. They need these examples. Kevin Coley, they need an example of a dad like Kevin Coley. He's one of the most positive men that I know. I just love being around this guy. I feel like I'm a better man when I'm around Kevin. I really do. Carl Johnson, where are you at? There he is. I've known Carl Johnson since 1990. You're getting old, Carl. (laughs) Amen. This guy has been there through thick and thin. And I've watched him go through a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And guess what? There he is, June 18, 2023, standing on the stage. Surround your kids with positive people. Take them to conferences, camps. Bring them to youth. Bring them to church events. Do we, is, is, is our children's ministry, student ministry perfect? Of course not, because our church isn't, amen? And we're not, and your kids are not. So there it is, right? But surrounded with positive people. Because guess what? They're around a whole lot of negative stuff right now at school. I'm not even going to go into that. I'm going to do a series on culture wars in the fall. But man, we are in a war for our children right now. You better bring them to church. You better love God at home. Come on, somebody. You better protect them and show them the way. Show them the way. Positive influence. When you enter your home, use building up words, positive words. You want a grouchy house? Come home grouchy all the time. Now I'm going to give you a pass. We all get to come home grouchy occasionally. <laughs> but be a grouch all the time. Guess what you're going to have grouchy kids? Be a whiner. Guess what you're going to raise? Whiny kids. Be a gossiper. Guess what you're going to raise? Gossipy kids. Be petty. Guess what you're going to have? Petty kids. They don't learn what they hear. They learn what they see. And they do what they see. But you know what? The flip side is also true. You want to raise positive kids? Look for the good in everything. Come on. Celebrate every small victory. Celebrate every win. Amen? I mean, the little things, guys. You just need to to thank God for every moment. In between services. I was in my office getting ready to come out. and, And I just found out that my grandkids both, love the cranberry muffins from Panera so guess what I did I was searching through all the places and I found two halves of cranberry muffins in the Panera stack amen and I went in my office and they were sitting on the desk and then when Ava and Mason came in I said look what I got for you and Mason went They both climbed up on my knee, one on each one, and they were eating. And in that moment, I just stopped. I said, thank you. Thank you. I'm sitting in the building that I was stressed out about in 2006 with my grandbaby sitting on my knee eating muffins from Panera. You can take me home now, Lord. It's been a good, good life. I want you to stand with me right now. Last thing I want to say before we pray, I want to say this. I want to speak right now to all the dads that blew it. And I want to also speak to all of you in this room or that are watching online that you did not have the kind of dad that I've been preaching about for the last four years. Some of you, Father's Day is a tough day. For some of us, Father's Day is a tough day because we miss the dad that we loved and he's gone. For others of us, Father's Day is a tough day because we never had a man like that in our life. Some of you have experienced abuse, abandonment. You've experienced a lot of pain in the area of fatherhood. Thank God we have a heavenly Father who loves us. But I just want to say to somebody right now, it's important for you to come to a place of forgiveness. Not so much, maybe, maybe, the, maybe your dad doesn't really deserve it. Who among us deserves it anyway, right? But you need to do it for yourself so you can move forward in life and not carry that burden. Some of you didn't have that dad, but guess what? You can be that kind of dad. Or that kind of mom. You can be that kind of example. Maybe you don't even have children in your life. You know what you can do? You can love kids in this church. It takes a village to raise a, a family, right? Amen. You can be a mentor. You can be a stepfather, stepmom. You can be a foster parent. You can be a big brother or a big sister. You can volunteer. You can make a difference. I want to tell you, don't let bad fathers ruin it for everybody. I also want to speak to the dads who've messed up. Some of you, you feel shame when it comes to your children. You feel shame because you walked away. You feel shame maybe because you messed up or you allowed things in the home that shouldn't have happened. I want to tell you, you can find a place of grace. And a place of forgiveness at the feet of your Heavenly Father. Can I tell you why a lot of dads that are absent remain absent? Because they don't feel like they can they deserve to try to start a relationship again with their children. They feel too ashamed. They feel like they'll be rejected. Not all of them. Some of them are just not great people. But there's a lot of them out there that they would love to reconnect, but they're afraid to. They don't know how to. Maybe I, I don't know why I'm saying all this. Maybe some of you, maybe somebody in this room, you need to take that first step and offer a bridge of grace. Offer a palm branch of forgiveness. But whatever it is, men, our children, our community, our country needs us to be men of God. Men of character, men of steel and velvet. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to open up this altar. And I want every dad, if you'll join us, I want you to come forward and I want you to say, Lord, I want to be a better father. I want to be a better father husband. I repent of all the times that I blew it, but I'm not going to spend my entire life looking in the rearview mirror. i got to look out the windshield at what's ahead and not just what's behind. God, I want to do a better job. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better husband. I want you men to come. And some of you men, maybe you've blown it, maybe you messed up. I want to tell you today is a brand new day for you to say, I'm going to pick up the ball and I'm going to run forward again. I'm going to use the remainder of my days to be an influence. Even on your adult children, it's never too late. It's never too late. And now I'm going to ask some of you other family members to gather around behind these dads. And let's begin to pray for them. It's a hard job being a dad in this generation. There's a lot of pressure, amen. But with the help of the Lord, we can do it, amen. We're going to speak Jesus over our families right now, amen. Are you ready? Let's pray together, amen. Now Jesus from the
1: mountain. Come on, man. Jesus in You can do it. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. You can live generous. The name. You, you can model
0: your birthday. You yes, can show love. Jesus.
1: You can begin. You can begin again. I want to be a good dad, I
0: want to be a good grandpa, I want to be a good uncle, I
1: want to be a good stepfather,
0: I want to be a good mentor, come on man, that's it, cry out to God, Lord, help me, help me, help me. Help me.
1: I want to be a man of
0: God. Help me, me in. in the Tell me areas that I fail in. Help me in the areas that I'm walking oh, in, God. It's Jesus. not too late. That's it, man. Come on. Wives, yeah. right, I want you to pray for your husband. Children, I want you to pray for your dad. Come on. Yes. Lord, I want to be that
1: man. God, I pray for you and help them, Lord. Help them, Lord. Help them, Lord. In every area of the fish help them. Come on, I speak Jesus right now. Yes, yes, yes. Your name is Lord. Your name is other. Your name is healing. Your name. we oh. Father, you've got people to speak over them right now. Healing, God. Completion. Restoration, God. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. For my family I speak the holy name,
0: Jesus. Hey thanks for watching Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future Also take a moment and share this with a friend Be sure to join us 9am or 11am each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church God bless you